You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. You know, I was just thinking that we began this year declaring a similar truth that hope has a name and his name is Jesus and a lot has happened in between then and now but we're still going to finish this year up proclaiming the exact same truth because it's just as true today as it was then hope has a name and his name is Jesus we're about to get into a series that is all about this idea before we do I'm going to share two quick things with you and then I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it Uh, You can go ahead and have a seat. So this year, because of all the reasons, our Christmas Eve service is going to be online. And this team has been working so hard to put together an incredible Christmas Eve experience for you. I really do believe that it is going to be a special moment for you and your family and Whoever joins you in that, in that night, in that, in that service, it, it is, it is going to be beautiful. And I'm excited for you to see it. We're going to make that live uh, on December 24th at 4 p.m., online only. There'll be an experience where you can join us all together at 4 p.m. And then however your evening progresses, if it works better for you, if you're an If you're a midnight mass kind of person, you can watch that thing at midnight. It'll be on demand after 4 p.m. to watch whenever you like. Uh, And then the following Sunday, December 27th, there will be no services. It is our tradition, honestly, to to kind of Sabbath that Sunday, to worship and rest and and to spend that time with our families and 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 to honor God for the year that we've just been through. And so we are we are not gonna have services December 27th, and then we'll be right back here on January 3rd, I wanna say. My math's not great, but I wanna say it's January, January 3rd. Well, let me talk today about the hope of Jesus. Let me pray first, and then we'll tell you about it. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good in every season. I thank you that when we need hope, you are the source of hope, God. And so today, we're going to talk about the way that you love us and the way that you pursue us, and we're going to sing a song. We're going to tell a story of your hope. And so we worship you. We honor you. We ask us, we ask that you would just meet us here in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Finding Jesus. Finding Jesus. As, as I was planning our year-end series this year and our Christmas season series this year, I couldn't help but think um, about the people of God in the season leading up to the birth of Jesus. They were tired of the status quo. They were worn out from all the waiting. They knew a move of God was coming but they did not know when. And I I imagined how exhausted they must have been, how discouraged. And it made me think of the world that we're living in this year. Everyone's just lived through a year that was one challenge after the other. People are tired and discouraged and wondering when real hope is going to arrive. And so for the next three weeks, I want to talk about finding Jesus and specifically finding him when we need him the most. Today, I want to take a look at a time when God used a prophet 
to show us what Jesus would be willing to do for us, and he did it in a really unusual way. I want to tell you a story this morning. It's my favorite version of the Christmas story outside the Gospels. I want to look at a story that shows us exactly where Jesus is in our most lowest moments and the lengths he's willing to go to to offer us hope. Today I want to tell you the story of Hosea and Gomer, and it's a love story. Hosea was an Israelite prophet. In those days, prophets were responsible for communicating the direct message of God to the people. They were holy men. Hosea's message was centered on love. Every prophet had a message, one specific thing that they were communicating to the people, and Hosea's was love, especially and obviously God's love. In the beginning of his ministry, God goes to speak to him, maybe for the first time, to give him the message that he'll carry. And Hosea, I imagine, is pretty excited in this moment. He begins to receive a revelation from God, and he's wondering, what it is. God, what have you got for me? What, what is this incredible message you have for me to send to your people? Is it like Isaiah? Isaiah was the prophet in the northern kingdom at the same time period, and Isaiah got to enter the throne room of God. Is that what I get? Do I get to enter into your throne room, God? I'm so excited. And God says, no, Hosea, no, I've got an object lesson for you. I want you to do something. Hosea is a little bit confused at this point, but he says, okay, God, you know, anything that you have me do, I'm your prophet, I will do it. What is it? And God says, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. And Hosea says, what? Hosea 1 verse 2 says, go and marry a prostitute and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of the faithfulness of the Lord. Can you imagine Hosea's response? This is not what he was expecting in his first revelation from God. This was not the assignment that he thought he was receiving as a prophet of God. This is not, this is not what a, a holy man is supposed to be doing. A holy man wouldn't go and marry a prostitute, take a woman like that to be his wife, but God tells him to do it, and so he does it. He marries a prostitute with the odd-sounding name of Gomer. Gomer, if you uh, have any children coming and they're a woman, you might want to consider the name Gomer. She'd go right to the top of your list for, for elegant women's names. As you can imagine, marrying a prostitute brought a lot of marital baggage into the relationship for Hosea and Gomer. I should mention that at the time, Israel's entire definition of love was very dysfunctional. If you read the book of Hosea, you'll see that reflected in all of his messages. The people of the day viewed love as a commodity that could be purchased. They saw love as the pursuit of self-gratification. Love is about me. It's about what makes me feel good. It's about what I want. It's about what gives me satisfaction. They saw love as something, they spoke of loving inanimate objects. I love this, I love that. Love to them was as much transactional as it was relational. They defined love this way. You can buy it. And it's about being satisfied personally, and it's about possessions, and it's about things. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Not so different from our culture today. So God decided that he needed to demonstrate to his people what love actually is. 
He wanted to redefine love, to give a new definition of love to his people. And so he tells his prophet to go and marry a prostitute. Hosea marries Gomer, and things are going pretty well at first. They have children, three kids, each with a different name intended to communicate a name to the people of Israel. The names are kind of messed up. If you really want to give your kid a bad name, go look at some of the names in the story of Hosea in chapter one of what he names his kids. I'm not getting into it today. One day though, Hosea and Gomer have three kids. They've been living together for a few years now. Things are going pretty well. But one day, Hosea wakes up and she's gone. Gomer's gone. I don't know why she left. It doesn't say that. But maybe the pressure of being the wife of the spiritual leader of Israel and the mother of his three kids just felt like too much weight to bear for a former prostitute who's still struggling with her past. So she ran away from Hosea and their children and she went back to her previous line of work. The text specifically says she became an adulteress, but when we study the context, it becomes clear She's gone back to her old life. So Hosea is now carrying the weight of being the spiritual leader of Israel and a single father of three kids. And we pick it up in chapter three, verse one. It says, the Lord said to me, go and show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her the way the Lord loves the Israelites even though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Let's not get hung up on the sacred raisin cakes this morning. I don't know what it means. I don't understand it. Let's just move on. Can you imagine this scene? He thought that this was hard the first time that he found this woman and married this woman. He thought that was difficult. Now she's left him. And God says, I want you to go and find her. This woman that he's been married to for years, that are the, the mother of his children, God says, go and find her and bring her home. And so Hosea has to go looking for her. And can you imagine where he had to go to find her? The seediest places in town, the darkest alleys, the red light districts, the places no holy man should be, that's where Hosea is searching and describing the mother of his children to people that he sees. Have you seen her? She looks like this, she sounds like this. Her name is Gomer, do you, do you know where she is? Have you talked to her? Who are some of the people that she used to know? Can you help me? Searching until he finds her. And when he finds her, the scene is not good. She left willingly, but somehow she has gotten herself back into the sex trade. It says that he had to buy her for 15 shekels of silver and some barley. Imagine Hosea going to whoever has got her chained up, whoever is responsible for her in this moment. And she's chained up on some pedestal with a price tag for people to purchase and use. Some seedy marketplace. And Hosea goes in there and he sees her. 
And he goes to the man in charge and he says, this is my wife, release her to me. She belongs to me, she's the mother of my children. She needs to come home with me, let her go. But the man says, no, there's a price. And so finally, Hosea concedes to the price and he purchases the mother of his children. I mean, can you imagine? And God says, love her the way the Lord loves his people. In this powerful example, God is saying that his love is different than our love. The way that he loves is above the way we can even understand what love is. The way he pursues us desires us, forgives us, is different from our human understanding of love. Against all common sense, in contrast to our human ideas about justice and commitment, God's love never stops, it never quits, it never moves on, it never gives up on us. And I wonder how Gomer must have felt during this whole exchange. Oh, can you imagine her shame? How she must have felt when she laid eyes on Hosea, knowing full well that he would never be in this part of town. How much he didn't like being in this situation. How ashamed he must have felt. The guilt that was just kind of overwhelming her. When she looked at this man who was arguing for her life, what did she feel? You know, the law said that Hosea would be within his rights to have her stoned to death. Maybe she was afraid. Maybe she was sure that this wasn't out of love, it was out of anger. That the only way that someone would pursue her, find her, pay for her, was so they could punish her. Because that was the lie that her guilt told her over and over and over and over again. You're worthless, you have no value, nobody wants you, you don't belong here, you'll never be good enough. He only wants to punish you, he wants to take from you, he's angry with you, he doesn't love you. Surely she was wondering what Hosea's angle was. And then it says that Hosea says this in verse 3. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any other man, and I will behave the same way towards you. Do you know what he's doing here? He's renewing his vows. He's committed to wipe away that this has ever happened. If she will just promise to love him and not do it again, and in return, he says, I'm gonna love you faithfully like this never happened. It's worth noting here that the name Hosea in Hebrew means salvation, and the word gomer means completion. In this relationship, in this exchange, God is proclaiming the birth of Jesus. He's preaching the gospel 750 years before it would ever happen. He's saying, your salvation will be completed by me, going to find you in your darkest, lowest place, in the worst moments, and bringing you into my family when you least deserve it. And that's what brings us to the story of Christmas. Because in this moment, when we most needed it, Despite whether or not we deserved it, he would meet us here to complete our salvation. The story of Hosea is one of the clearest Old Testament pictures of Jesus in the Bible. He loves us, cares for us, 
and comes to meet us in a way that is far beyond our understanding of love. I think as people, we struggle to receive the love of God because his love is not the kind of love we give. And we're not accustomed to receiving it. It's hard for us to understand. We're so transactional in our understanding of love. It's hard uh, for us to understand the kind of love that would compel him to find us in our lowest moments and rescue us the way that he does. In this story, Hosea is Jesus, and no offense, you and I are Gomer the prostitute. See, just like Gomer, we can't seem to shake off the past that we're ashamed of. It feels like physical chains, and it won't let us walk in the freedom that we've been given. Our sin and our mistakes and our shortcomings, they haunt us. And so we keep running back to them. And throughout human history, every time it looked like man was going to settle down and be the responsible wife and mother we have the potential to be, we won't run right back to the life we were rescued out of. So God says, okay, fine. What's the price? Whatever it takes, I will pay it. I will buy you and I will bring you home and I will free you and I will forgive you and I will give you everything that's mine. And the story of Christmas is a story of pursuit, of love, of grace, and of reconciliation like the world has never seen before. The kind of grace that can find his wife as a prostitute and bring her home like it never happened. See, I think too often we lose sight of the value of the story of Christmas because we forget how desperately we need it. We forget how little we know about love, about real love, how much we've turned our back on our Father, how often things like things and jobs and people take his place in our hearts, which always leads us into brokenness and shame and fear. Our Father is a perfect Father, but instead of pursuing him, we devote our lives to other things, and we create gods in money and in family and even in ourselves, and we just simply do not deserve the pursuit that he gives, but he freely gave it anyways. And here in this story, 750 years before Jesus, he's already getting us ready to receive it, letting us know that this is how much he loves us at just the right time. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's why when we talk about our four steps at the gathering, and we say that the first step is to know God. The first step is to know God because very clearly, we had done nothing to earn his affection. We get to enter into relationship with him right as we are in the moment that he finds us. Just like Gomer got to come out of those chains and go directly back into the relationship she had with Hosea. There was a lot that she had to work out inside. I am certain of that. They had to go see a counselor several times a week for several months in order to get their marriage back on track. I'm certain of it. But Hosea said right here today, right now, we're back As soon as you step off of that pedestal, as soon as those chains fall from you, you're mine. And I forgive you. And I commit myself to you. And that's how it is with God. 
He sees us in our lowest moment, in our worst moment, in the depth of our sin, when we don't even know which way is up anymore, when we don't even know how to get out of it again. And he says, you're mine. And I want you right as you are, right where you are right now today. We've got places to go, you and me. We're going to get better. We're going to grow. We're going to find freedom. We're going to find a purpose for you. But today, I need you to know that you're mine. While we were still sinners. Very simply, just like Gomer, we broke and abandoned our relationship with God. Maybe you could clearly point to a moment in your life when it ended. Maybe it was just never there for you until it was. Maybe you've been in church and a Christian all your life. Whatever your story is, if you are in a relationship with God, it happened because of Jesus. Because Jesus, like Hosea, went and found us in the places we deserve to be. He paid for us, he rescued us, and he brought us home. Now let me connect these dots for you. Three things that we find out about Jesus through the story of Hosea and Gomer. First is this, he loved first. And this is so important to understand. We have so many misconceptions about God and who he is. And the biggest one that I think is is pretty universal across the board is we get it in our heads that we have to earn his love or deserve his affection. But that is not who God is. He's he's not waiting for you to impress him. He's not waiting for us to devote ourselves to him to decide if we are worthy of his love because we are not worthy of his love. But he gives it to us anyways and he gives it to us freely. Verse one in chapter three says, the Lord said to me, go and show your love to your wife again, although she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. We have raisin cakes in the lobby after service. Don't get too attached. I don't know what it means. This is the heart of God. The heart of God is that while, even, even though, even though, even though she is currently an adulteress, go and love her. Give her your love first. This is who he is. Go and love your wife even though she left you and isn't loving you back right now. Go and love her because that's the way God loves his people. He loves them even when they don't love him back. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. We're driven to love God and one another because of the extravagant way that God loves us. When you were at your worst, he loved you. He used Hosea and Gomer to illustrate that. He wanted it to connect with your hearts. And maybe, maybe you can understand and even relate to Gomer. You're ashamed to pray or worship or even attend in person because you don't know what God's intentions are with you. After all you've done, how could they be good? How could he still want you? Those, those people in that church, they say that they want anybody to be a part of it, but they don't know me. They don't know what kind of baggage I'm carrying around. They don't know the things that I've done. God's not ready for that. He doesn't want that. And we convince ourselves, whether or not we're willing to admit it out loud that these things are true, we convince ourselves that God could never want any part of us, that we've disqualified ourselves at some point along the way. How could he want us? How could he love us? 
but he does. And he loves you. And all he needs you to do is step down off that pedestal. I mean, he's, he's got the key. He'll take the chains off. He'll help you get it right. He just loves you. Unprovoked. First. Undeserved. Unrelenting. All the time. You can't escape it. You can't get out from under it. He just loves you. And he paid the price for you. The second thing, he paid the price for you. And maybe for you, this one's even harder to swallow because maybe you don't value yourself very highly. Maybe you would think that price would be low. Maybe you think you're worth some barley. Barley sounds like a decent price. Maybe it's hard for you to imagine somebody paying for you, let alone paying for you with their life. But that's exactly what happened. See, you and I, we were just like Gomer. We were on a pedestal built by our own mistakes, chained up by the future that we had sown for ourselves. I was. My choices had led me exactly where I didn't want to be, and I had no way out. I, I had just made one bad decision after another. I was self-destructive, I was angry, and I was a bully. My relationships around me were crumbling. People didn't want to be friends with me anymore because I was hard to be around. I hated myself as much as I hated the world. I didn't want to be in it anymore. And that's the place where he found me. That was it. That was the moment just absolutely devoid of self-worth, of self-esteem, of self-motivation, filled up with hate. That's who I was. And he came in and he paid the price for me. I remember the first time that I understood that. I had just, I, my story is different, but I had the one relationship that mattered the most to me cut off. Because they said, I, I, I can't be around you anymore. You're, you're too hurtful. You're too hurting. I can see how broken you are. And I can't stand to watch you fall apart like this. And so I, I can't be around you anymore. And, and that, was, that was it for me. I, started, I said, well, maybe the Bible will help. Because she said to me, you know, the only thing that's going to give you what you're looking for is Jesus. And that sentence rattled around in my head back and forth, back and forth. And I, I remember reading God's word and I read it cover to cover in a couple months and I consumed it so quickly that I was able to see the overall arc of the story. This idea that God loved a people so much that even though they were constantly behaving like Gomer and turning their backs on him to go somewhere else, he would just keep renewing their chances, keep showing up, keep giving them grace, that he would love them even in those moments. I remember thinking, that's crazy. I don't remember that. For some reason, I was picturing God like a kid with a magnifying glass on a bunch of ants. That's not who I see here. And then I remember getting to the Gospels. And as I already knew the ending, beginning to understand that he was preparing that whole time to do this thing for me. And he paid the price for me. And that, 
I can understand how Gomer felt when she was watching someone pay money to bring her home. And the minute that she found out his intentions were good, the confusion, why would you do that for me? <laughs> the unsettled spirit, what's going to happen now? What, I don't understand what the future looks like. And then the relief. Am I really that worth it to you? So he paid our debts. He showed up and said, whatever the price, I will pay it. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, meaning you and I had a price to pay for who we had become, for what we had done, and it wasn't 15 shekels and some barley. It was death. And instead of paying that price ourselves, he paid it and offered us eternal life instead. He stepped in the way and said, I'm going to take this penalty for you so that you can have something far better than you ever imagined. The prophet Isaiah wrote about it a few hundred years before it happened. Isaiah 53, it says, surely he took, upon, took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Wow. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you were bought at a price. I just want you to understand that you were worth the ultimate price to the one who made you. The one who made you values you so highly that he thought you were worth his own life. Next time you feel like God doesn't see you or your life is falling apart and God doesn't care or that you don't have value to him, please remember, he found you in the darkest alley in town, the lowest places, and he paid the price so that he could bring you home. You are valued, you are loved, and you are pursued by him. And he wants a better future for you. Number three, he wants a better future for you. He didn't just pay the price, he wants a new life for you. The life you were made to live. Hosea speaks this into Gomer. He says, you're going to live with me many days. And all of this, this life is behind you. You're not going to do that anymore. We are going to be faithful to one another. I commit myself to you. You commit yourself to me. I got a better life in mind for you, Gomer. I promise it, it, it won't always be easy. But it's better than all this. See, Jesus doesn't require anything for you to enter into relationship with him because he paid the entire price, all of it. There wasn't a little bit left over that you had to pay. There wasn't some amount that you owe him now. It's not a debt that you have to him. He saw that you had a debt and he made it clean. He wiped it away completely. It's done. Just as you are, however you came in here today, wherever you find yourselves in the bottom of addiction, Wherever you find yourselves covered in so many secrets, you can't even remember what the truth is anymore. Wherever you are this morning, he says, right where you are, I pay the price for you. I want you, I desire you, I love you, and I want to take you home. You can be his. But he is such a good God 
that he says, I, I see that you're not okay. That's okay. It's just not okay for you to stay that way. He's got a, a future in mind for you that is bigger than anything you've ever imagined. He's got peace in mind for you. He's got purpose in mind for you. He's got a life filled with joy in mind for you. He has eternity in mind for you. He wants you to be free from that addiction. He wants you to be free from those secrets. He wants you to be free from that sin that you can't seem to put away. And he's got a path to get you there because that's how good he is. He wants you to be healed. Luke 4, 18 through 19, Jesus stands up in the church, preaches his first sermon and says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It is the year of the Lord's favor on you today. He wants you to be free, free of the chains, free of the shame, free of the guilt. Free to live in the purpose that he made you with. Just as Hosea found Gomer in her lowest moment, paid a price for her, renewed his vows to her so he could give her a better future, Jesus has paid the price for you. He's renewed his promises over your life so that you can have a better future. He made this promise to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that promise is on you today as well. It's renewed over your life when you step into relationship with him. And so my prayer for you today, what I want to leave you with, is the same prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesians. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, this relationship begins and ends in love. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp because you gotta get it, you can't, you can't even begin to understand it without the help of his spirit, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. If you're in here today or you're watching today, you're joining us online or, and you're still standing on that pedestal in your shame, wrapped up in the chains of your sin. I need you to know that he's already paid the price for you. 
You, you don't even have to wait for the transaction to finish. All you have to do is step up off of that pedestal. It's done. You can enter into relationship with him right now, today, in this moment, right wherever you are. If that's you, would you hit your knees? Would you say this prayer with me? And just, just let him change every part of the rest of your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me first. Thank you for paying the price for me. Thank you for wanting a better future for me. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. Forgive me of my sin. I am yours. I give myself to you. I will follow you with all that I am for the rest of my life. And in Jesus' name, amen. The Gathering Church Podcast is produced by the Gathering Church Creative Team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.